0: Welcome, everyone, Inside. to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source of original sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, March the 17th. The NCAA tournament is here. We think UVA is going to play in it. Um, and we picked uh, for episode 400, uh, as you may have seen in the show notes for this episode, um, the perfect time to bring on a guest is when you know the team that you you talk about gets bu- gets kicked out basically has to leave the ACC tournament on a, after a game winner at the buzzer uh, because of a positive COVID test and then you have days of you know speculation and straight up angst um, so yeah we've got a very long and lengthy interview with none other than Chris Long number ninety one number one in your hearts. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Um, he it's an incredible interview. I don't, I'm not saying that because I'm involved. I'm saying that because Chris Long is just really good at what he does. So I, I'm really excited to, to bring that to you guys and and drop that uh in this episode. But we have a lot of stuff to talk about before we can get there. Um and hey, it's the fourth four hundredth episode. So we'll uh we'll have to talk a little bit about that as well. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the program. How's it going, my friend?
1: I don't know For for the 400th time Brad I don't know (laughs) um, Yeah I mean Doing episode 400 got me thinking Like you know You know Last year today Is the day I had to decide To like shut our store down Right Because you know Schools have been canceled And at this point We were hemorrhaging money With people trying to return All the stuff they bought For baseball and softball And so um, And here we were today You know The register's ringing People spending their stimulus money So things are better Basketball's not canceled you know, there's a glimmer of hope there. So who Dave's on the board at who Dave's on Twitter
0: and up and loud and staff writer, Justin Ferber is also back on the program. What's going on, my dude. I'm good. I see what you did there, Dave, by the way. Um,
2: but yeah, it, uh, did anything happen this week? Cause, uh, yeah. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah, that's, I texted you guys earlier and was like, do you guys realize that since we last recorded the Reese Beekman buzzer beater happened? Cause that feels yeah. like
0: 10 years ago. Um, but I'm still at Justin underscore on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner, great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional Woody Banter. Um man, uh what a week. <laughs> um yes, a year ago, um it it's crazy to think just in the in the small amount of time that you know we've all existed in since since Beekman' shot, right It feels like we've all lived a year in that time, right because there was a shot and then the next morning the you know the, the the press release drops and then it's just like everybody's scurrying for information trying to figure out what's what what's what's real, you know what sort of situation. Then there was this I want to talk about this real quick because it was really peculiar. So David Teal who everybody I think is if you're listening to the show is probably somewhat familiar with, Typically, when when Teal gets something and he says a, a statement or, or, or something is coming soon, I mean, it's minutes, right? Like, it was hours from the time he said, you know, UVA is expected to put out a statement. And I'm not sure. I would love to get, uh, I don't know, maybe one of you guys might have said it, like a 30 for 30 on just whatever happened in those hours. Because it certainly seems like to me UVA was ready to say something and then got more information and kept getting more information. And certainly by the time the statements came out, I was like, oh, that's actually not bad. And then it became pretty clear that there was an op- there was at least an avenue a path. Now, as we did when we recorded with Chris Long on Friday afternoon, um, man, talk about a day to uh, a d- <laughs> talk about a day to bring on a dude uh, who who breathes um, you know UVA sports right. But um, you know, we don't know as of right now. We're recording this Wednesday uh, evening. It's about eight thirty eight in the in the evening. So we don't know exactly what's happened. Maybe Virginia's all all systems go. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But we're going to do our best to talk about the situation, at least as we understand it to be right now. Um, But we got to talk about the Syracuse game because it was such a, uh, I mean, it was almost that, Beekman hit that shot and it was like catharsis, man. He hit that shot and like, it it was like nature healing. You know what I mean? Like, kids were excited. There was, you know, here was a tough, like, it was like the perfect sort of postseason game. UVA comes through I, Before we knew about the the positive test And everything I mean that kid goes one for six And makes the, the his only shot At the buzzer And I mean there's nothing like in sports right Ball in the air Hear the horn And then the thing goes through I mean it was just an incredible play By Clark uh, On the kick I loved Hauser at the top of the key With the hands up um, I went back and looked at it Did you, do you guys realize Jay Huff didn't score in the second half He didn't even take yeah. a shot Like <laughs> That game was was bizarre in a, in the way that postseason games typically can be. What's other than the Beekman shot, Dave? What's your indelible memory or your big takeaway from that one?
1: I'm gonna be honest; like I've forgotten about most of that game, yeah. Um, just because <laughs> right. so much has happened since then. Um, so, you know, on the way home the night, I trying to mentally prepare myself for the podcast, so I sound like the uh, polished professional that I always do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think back to the game, like. If you told me there was a score in the second half, like Virginia was down by 10, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Like, um, now, but yeah, you know, Beekman shot's going to be the memory. And um, yeah, I felt like Virginia was in, not dominant that most of that game, but, you know, in control most of it. Um, right. Just missing some open shots and, uh, you know, Hauser continuing to do what he, he does. And, um, you know, it, I, nothing like it's going to be the Beekman shot for sure. I'm, I mean, Syracuse did everything right. Um, you know, if you if you look at the four, you know, the five guys on the floor. I don't know the beatman's number five of the guys you want to take a shot, but he might be. Um, and you know, he got it and he hit it. And kudos to him. But like it was not only a clutch shot; it was one of his best shots. And it just kind of hit me at at that moment. Like if you look back at the the tournament games Virginia play, played, you know. Because they hadn't played a tournament game since they won it all. And those games, they hit big shot after big shot at the buzzer. So, um, as a guy in my 40s, like that's something Virginia didn't do for pretty much all of my life. (laughs) Um, So, UVA,
0: Ferber, uh, did not, they they were tied, but they did not trail after um, Sam Hauser's uh, free throws with six minutes to go. Largest lead for UVA in this game was six um except it feels like they were up my more um yeah because it came sort of late where it was like oh now they're going to win like, yeah exactly exactly cuz Hauser hit that hit a couple free throws then he hits a three the um, three was what it was like cuz Syracuse was like chipping but like
2: that one was like okay i don't know if they can come back from this and then of course UVA started messing up with the press
0: of course right but what's funny is that that um in the last 3 minutes and uh 35 seconds Syracuse only had three field goals. Like, it's not like they came out, turned them over, and scored a bunch of points. I mean, it, the, the reason that it felt like it was tight is because it was already tight, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, they tied it up 59 59. Murphy hits a three with 336 to go. Buddy comes back down and makes a jumper. Um, and then Murphy hits another three, which, look, in the game, he's only three of 11 from three. He hit two of his three threes in the la- and within like a 40 some second. Um, forty-three second little burst there, um, and then by the time you know Hauser hits a little jumper uh, to take them into the under four, I mean it, you felt like they're pretty in a good spot up six. But then you know that's when the press happened. So I mean it's almost like this is not like the other games with Syracuse where you know Virginia had a sizable lead, you know, and Syracuse really came back. This thing was already tight. The Cavaliers just had to you know make a couple more plays than the two than the couple that they they certainly. Um, Gave away Virginia had 12 turnovers in the game Uh, Syracuse had 17 points off of them Um, Cavaliers controlled the boards Didn't necessarily shoot it that great They were 11 to 35 35 is a lot of threes From deep, 31.4 45.5 from the field Hauser goes for 21 Huff, again, he had 13 in the first half He ended up with a double-double, 12 boards But, man, that second half I mean, he didn't even take a shot um, which I'm not really sure I mean he played 19 minutes Unless unless the stats I'm looking at are wrong He played 19 minutes No shots He had four boards A couple of assists And three blocks In that second half um, But that was I mean look That first half They were both sort of cooking Between um, Huff and Hauser um, But it was really Huff That was sort of carrying him um, Ferber as As you look back on this thing Obviously the Beekman shot is big But in terms of things Is there anything That you can latch on to That you think Has staying power with them As they go through the postseason Obviously This was not supposed to be Their springboard I mean you win a game In the ACC tournament Unless you're winning You know The championship game You don't expect it To be your last one Any sort of springboard For them Going into um, Going to Indy
2: No um, Just because of everything That followed like, I mean, I think that I don't think, you know, they, they certainly if they had lost the game, then you're know, obviously and then went into quarantine, then you're kind of stumbling into the postseason and then you have all this other stuff on top of it. Um, I would say, you know, they did a nice job rallying because like Dave said, it felt like they were in control, but not really until like the five minute mark of the first half or even later than that, maybe because uh, Syracuse had them at arm's length early because they just hit a bunch of shots. And that's pretty typical. I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but that feels like how a lot of these games in the ACC tournament specifically have gone for UVA in recent years um, where, you know, it's their first game and the other team played the day before and they come out and make a bunch of shots. And then in the second half against the pack line, they get really worn down and, and you start to see the dead legs and the free throws stop falling and the shorts keep, you know, the, the shots keep coming up short. And, and that's what we saw with Syracuse and UVA sort of took the game over. Right around halftime, I think it was like tied to half, or UVA might have been down by a couple. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought they did a nice, 36 Yeah, I thought they did a nice job, you know, especially in the second half, sort of like getting stops and doing what they needed to do. But um, to be honest with you, the only thing that two, three years from now I'll remember from this game is the Beekman shot, and then everything that happened afterwards, probably, um, because you know, it's it's any momentum that you were going to take into the postseason sort of died right there because. Um, you know, not only did your ACC tournament run in, you're now like sitting alone in a room, you know, for the yeah. next few days, and and that doesn't mean they can't come out of it and beat Ohio and m- move on to the second round um, or whatever. But um, it certainly, I don't think, you know, helps them. And, and I think that anything they sort of gained by winning at the buzzer against Syracuse was sort of mitigated um, by everything that happened afterwards.
0: Yeah, and plus, too, I mean, the uncertainty of those few days. I mean, or especially Friday. I mean, you know, f- full disclosure. So we had tried to plan it so that all three of us could be on it. Uh, Chris needed to move it to a later spot in the afternoon, and, and unfortunately, that didn't work out with Dave's work schedule. But Ferber and I are getting ready to do this podcast interview, you know, with with Chris Long of all people, and you know, we don't know how to, you know. I, I mean, I went into that thinking, like, man, how do you not like talk about the elephant in the room, knowing that by the time most folks listened to the thing, obviously however it was going to play out would have played out. Um, but man, those few days, um, and I kind of touched on this in the column I wrote for today. Like it's just crazy sort of, you know, we look at the last year and the, and, and these last few days have been a microcosm at, you know, you start with that uncertainty and then you think you have your hands around it and then you try to make, you know, you're trying to adapt as best you can as it stands right now. We know UVA had one positive, um, that player's name has not been publicly um, um, Publicly Disclosed um, I'm not going to get into the whole speculation Game but suffice to say One of the the players who played in the game Against Syracuse tested positive That means that the vast majority As Tony Bennett called it of, of the roster Is in quarantine right now Everybody because of contact tracing Now as it was announced Today Virginia will Come out of quarantine as we record this tomorrow Um, It sounds like they'll practice Friday morning then they'll go to Indianapolis they'll be tested Upon arrival then they have to get up 12 hours later and be tested again So Tony joked that he just Hopes his guys can go back to sleep Friday night Um, And I guess Then they can practice or have a walkthrough or something On Saturday morning before they play Saturday night Um, That does not leave me With the warm and fuzzies when it comes to trying to figure out this um, this matchup with um, with Ohio, I mean that's I, and looking at Ohio and 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 we obviously have to to get into this, but man, that's a team that could beat you even when you're prepared. You know, that's a team that could mess you up even on a good night, not when you have, especially you know, when you haven't been able to practice. Dave, what's your what's your level of angst for for this matchup Saturday night?
1: uh pretty low um like i, I think ohio is a good team i just any team that depends on their you know their guards to score against virginia historically struggle um you you got to have a, a secondary option you know they've got some guys who had big games but um you know they're going to have to be lights out i think to beat virginia i mean the fact that you know, virginia you know you just talked about you know probably maybe have two practices before the tournament you know before they play most likely one good practice and then a second light one um, plus have to travel and then get on a bus to rod 45 minutes to an hour to Bloomington where they're playing um, meanwhile like Ohio as far as I know is there already um, but it's not like Ohio's there and they're like hanging out right
2: like, <laughs> yeah, that's a key you know, point fun. everybody else yeah. is like was quarantined until today pretty much
1: yeah, i mean they've been they've just been doing it in a different place um so I mean, they're going to get like one more practice but look the the pressures on virginia because you know they're the higher seed um you know is a a good team but i think you know virginia can withstand kind of the rust early um the fact that you know when you've got beekman and Kihei and, and casey we you know they, they we know they've struggled to score but one thing they haven't struggled with this year is defense um, and they've shut down some very good guards and out Granted, you know Alvarado had some outbursts against him, but that was it. You know, it wasn't enough to make Georgia Tech win with the, you know the Player of the Year under <laughs> under the basket. Um, so yeah, I think Virginia plays plays what they're capable of playing. It's a pretty comfortable win um, <laughs> when the game's over. As a Virginia fan, you know it's not going to be comfortable if there if it's even tight in the first half.
0: All right, I want to I want to drill into something you were talking about just a second ago. You said the pressures. On Virginia Is the pressure on Virginia Because I mean mean, Everywhere I look It's always on you right Well of course But I'm saying like Everywhere I look right now It's all about like Oh Ohio's the the pick Right And everybody knows Virginia's the one Coming out of this And such and such I'm almost curious I know what the line is And I'm certainly not Going to try to call Virginia an underdog But in terms of pressure Like Yeah there's going to be A lot of pressure From the guys on themselves To try to go out there And you know be who they have been Even despite the fact That they just haven't been Practicing this week But I'm 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 curious How Ohio handles this You know Yes You're playing The, the reigning national champion You know You you probably do smell Some blood in the water Because you know Their situation um, I'm pretty sure They probably know Who it was That you know Tested positive And they probably understand You know When Virginia trots out there What the What it's likely to look like But I, I don't know man There's just something Interesting about That piece of this Which is like you very rarely see. You see a you you will see a handful of trendy picks, right? Especially in like the five twelve up, you know those upsets and stuff. It seems like everybody and their brothers has circled this one, and everybody knows because of the COVID piece of it. Um, I just think that that part of the psychology is fascinating to me, like just fascinating in terms of like Ohio is a team, you know, who has not played a whole lot of you know really top flight competition. You look at their their resume. They certainly are a good team offensively um, But I think they've got a, They've got a lot of pressure on them um, Coming into this inter- Especially because If To your point Like if Virginia goes Anywhere near itself You know It's regular offensive production um, This thing should not be Particularly tight But You know I guess that remains to be seen So do you What do you think Dave Do you feel like Do you feel like the pressure is on Virginia, no, I, mean, I think, think I
1: mean I think the pressure's on Virginia, just if you're coming at it from a Virginia standpoint, you know, like you don't wanna lose in the first round, win the national title, losing the first round, right? Um I don't think we'd care as much if we you know, if we hadn't won the national title in there. But the uh I found it a little strange that knowing that Virginia's quarantined, you know, it, it pretty much the game opened like minus seven and a half UVA in most books. It went to seven and it's back to seven and a half.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. What do you think, Ferber? Do you think the who, who do you think the pressure's on in this one?
2: It's on Virginia. I mean, if you're Ohio, nobody's gonna blame Ohio for losing unless UVA trots out there with a bunch of dudes who nobody's ever heard of, um, which it doesn't seem likely. Um, yeah, I think the pressure's on UVA just because it's a four thirteen, like there there's not much else they can do, but um but I also think that there are some not, not that I'm going to make them, but like, you know, so there are some baked in excuses that are valid, you know, like the fact that they're in quarantine um, and are getting there so late and all that stuff and, and the lack of practice time and, you know, just time away from being conditioned. Um, You know, I heard something, I can't remember who it was on another podcast. And they were saying that Rick Pitino with Iona, his team, when they came out of, um pause they just did one practice where they just stretched um because they had so many guys coming back from like with conditioning issues and it, like they realized like all right we need to just make sure guys don't get hurt um so i mean UVA is going to have to sort of put the pedal down but then also you know not to get into like a whole science thing um but like UVA these practices they can't really go too i, I they can't like violate they can't be within the margin of error for contact tracing they just can't because now
0: then at that point if you have a positive test you're done like um well, I would imagine you, that when they practice on friday you know provided that you know all basically all the guys are going to just become out of contact tracing and testing mm-hmm. negative every day i would imagine they're fine to practice for real then certainly right now that you yeah know, but then if you get a positive on friday or saturday
2: you're done if you if you mess up contact tracing in the practice
0: but didn't doesn't the NCAA have like a situation where um at this point the team goes, if somebody tests positive, that person's done for the weekend. Yeah, but, but the rest of the but, guys go forward.
2: Right. But that's under the assumption that they don't have any contact tracing. Because the NCAA's whole their all their protocols are designed to avoid contact tracing. Like so you're all, saying they the, can't
0: they can't have the, if they're gonna have a positive, they have to wait till they get there, not before they leave, is what you're saying.
2: Well, n- not even I- – I just mean like in the next few days, you sort of have to be careful because – and what the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because most teams probably feel that don't have a positive now, don't have as much risk of having one tomorrow. But UVA has a guy that tested positive that was around his teammates. True. And at the incubation period, we don't know. Like somebody could pop a positive on Friday. So UVA is more likely to have a positive than another team. And if they have a bunch of, like, contact practice, they're all going to be contact traced. So, like, you know, you can't do that. Um, but And that's fine. I don't think they really need to go hard. Like, Georgia Tech all season long hasn't done contact practices. They seem ready when the games play, though. So, like, I don't think it matters. Um, and I, don't, I I know that they're smart enough to realize this. So I'm, I'm just preaching to the choir. Um, but anyway, uh, I don't even remember what we were saying. Um oh the pressure yeah i mean like uva is the favorite team but like um i actually don't really see the game the way that dave does i think that ohio is really dangerous um and it's because honestly like it's not necessarily because of what i see in the stats it's what i see trend from them so like they have they've lost one time in like 58 days um they, well, they've only played like seven times in 58 days. So. Right, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the one team they lost, they beat again. Um, yeah. The Illinois game, which was early in the season, I went and watched that, and that was a legit result. Like, it wasn't fluky that they were within two. They led with two seconds to go. Um, and also, the, the guard that Ohio has, Preston, who's their best player, um, the thing that scares me about him isn't necessarily his ability to – like get open shots he makes contested shots he does the Steph Curry stuff he doesn't care if he's being guarded like he's just gonna shoot over you and they have a stretch guard forward type player in Vanderplas who's six eight, and they have a big that can shoot so I just I think this is a, a really really tough matchup for UVA and I think that I'm not gonna pick Ohio to win but I would not be surprised if they do
0: yeah, so Preston is a 40% three-point shooter who also is top 10 nationally in assist rate. Um, that tells you a lot about just how dangerous he is offensively because you can't... You, you, when you have a guy who knows how to manufacture points for everybody else who also shoots, you know, 40% from deep, that's a that's a pretty nice little combo, right? But when you pair that, especially against the pack line, you know, Vanderplass is 6'8", he shoots 37.1% from deep, Right? Um, that's usually it's teams with length who can shoot that give UVA problems. See San Francisco, right? Um, that's that's always been back to the Maryland days, right? With the gosh, Jake Lehman and um, Smotrich, right? <laughs> um, you know, it's the long teams with 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 shooting. Um, now the difference here is that the Wilson kid, he's 6'8, 250, but he's he doesn't shoot, right? He's not yeah, a he's not transfer, a, yeah. He's not a he's not a shooter guy, but he is really tough and he's an interesting he's going to be an interesting cover for Jay Huff Um, now I would imagine that this is a spot because because of Tony has shown us this season he is not afraid to throw out some random lineups right I would not be shocked in this game if there are stretches where Jay Huff's not on the floor right because you might need Kofaro in there with the Wilson kid I mean he's 6'8 250 Granted, Jay's length would help a lot, but you might be better served to to basically have a more traditional sort of UVA lineup because of Vanderplos and what Preston brings in terms of being able to stretch you out. Um, Huff, I'm not saying that 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 Huff shouldn't play. I'm just saying that it's an interesting matchup when you think about bigs, right? Because you might all you might al- always you might also look at it and say, you know what, it might be better to have Kafaro here and then play small everywhere else, right? To to trust that. Um, whether it's Houser or Murphy, whoever, you know what I'm saying. Like that might, I wouldn't be surprised if if Kafaro gets some significant burn in this game. Um, the other thing for yeah. UVA in this is that Dave, as as you look mm-hmm. at the the matchup between, I mean, we can talk a lot about Ohio's offense, but you you made the point earlier, like you know, Virginia gets anywhere near its normal self. I mean, this is, you know, in terms of rankings. Ohio is 174th in adjusted efficiency on D. Yeah. They're actually one of the worst teams in the country putting teams on the free throw line. And Virginia is one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country. They just don't ever get to the line. So you yeah. know that's going to be an interesting sort of thing. When you when you look at Virginia's offense against their defense, what stands out to you?
1: I mean, I think they're just not great at defense, and that's what it boils down to. And you know, since Illinois, they haven't played anyone near the caliber. Of Virginia, no offense to you know their opponents, but. You know they lost what seven games this year? I think it is, Um and like five of them are about almost twenty points. So like when they when they're yeah, bad, they have a bad. lot
2: of like weird re- like score results. Um, yeah, like they blow they, they like blew ran they blew teams out that they also got blown out by. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like if their
1: shots aren't falling, if this Curry stuff isn't falling, they don't have much to rely on. Um, so it's gonna be after you know it's you know the pack line is kind of susceptible to three point shooting teams as we know, but um you know I think. You know, Tony in the last few years, especially, has shown a little more leniency on letting the guards cover outside the pack line, um, and I think that's what you'll see. Like you'll see, you know, Preston's not going to get any open shots from unless he takes them from the logo. And if you make some, good on them. Like Carson Edwards did that, right? Yeah. Um, that's fine. But like I think attacking them, def- you know, Virginia attacking them offensively. I don't know how they handle Murphy, Hauser, and Hoff that's going to be really tough for him. And if you remember, I'm trying to think what game it was where they basically inverted the offense and had Huff in the post and um, Murphy and Huff outside. I mean, sorry, they had um, Hauser in the post and Murphy and Huff outside. That might Well, they be did it a little do. bit actually
2: against the zone
1: on Thursday. Yeah. And I think that's something you could look at here too because, you know, um getting the guy's name. He just said it, uh, <laughs> the, the 6-H uh, shooting dude. Um, the Vander yeah like he, assume he's he on house right? after
0: tony bennett and family
1: <laughs> yeah Vanderbilt Pla- so let's assume like he's guarding hauser and like at that point i think you want to put hauser in the post and exactly you know, in, and try to get some follow on him um so I mean, it's gonna come down to virginia making threes we know that's the shot uva's offense creates a lot but i also think that wrinkle of hauser in the post and that little fadeaway he can take and you know you know, he's he's kind of sneaky good with the ball, especially from – he's not going to take you from the three-point line too much. But if he gets the ball at the elbow or down in the post, he can make some moves that I think throw you off. And, you know, while Ohio's got some some decent guys in their starting lineup, their depth isn't scary. So That's true. They play a lot yeah, in I the think, same lineup. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of Virginia, like, surviving, you know, the first few minutes when Ohio's going to come out trying mm-hmm. to slay the beast. And just like every other tournament game we've seen – Um. Yeah, you know, I'm not as worried about the rust. Um, I know ferber has got the numbers, but you know Virginia's had some layoffs this year and done well coming out of them.
2: Yeah, they're three and, and zero after having a week off, and I think it was five and two after five
1: days off, not counting the season opener. And both of the losses were on the road. But, um, yeah, at Duke at Virginia, but, Tech. but at Duke at Virginia Tech, and you know neither one of them were like. No, oh, the Tech game turned out to be a bowl out, but the Duke game was close. Um, but yeah we, we're saying like oh it's a big hindrance review yeah they can't practice all week but we're assuming they practice normally this year and times, I don't think we I think we and again hope to even times, if they, even if like they, they had, had
2: gone it. like let's say they lost to Syracuse had no COVID issues and went to Indianapolis on Sunday or whatever yeah, they, they would practice, have been basically. they would have been sequestered until today anyway or whatever so like they would have been yeah, in not, the same
1: situation yeah and technically like if they get their results back tomorrow and they're negative they're good right So they could practice tomorrow night.
2: Yeah. Um, I think that was the idea or Friday morning or whatever.
1: Um, I think you're definitely going to practice tomorrow night because I don't think you want, like, you know, you're getting one tomorrow night, you're probably getting one Friday morning. Um, like you, you're right. I mean, it's not going to be a traditional practice. You're I not could gonna see them, them doing like a walkthrough to tomorrow minutes. night and then practicing. Yeah, for real Friday and, and morning. And I don't want to. I don't want to like overdo. You know, they're the, going to come out and practice without a ball tomorrow night. That's what Tony likes to do. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean,
2: like the thing. Like I didn't want. I don't want to like overstate the case with the contact practice stuff because I don't think a lot of the practices are like that anyway. Like it's a lot of standing around and like, okay, this is what we're going to do, and then guys go through individual drills.
0: Can I? Like, can I make a? Can I make a really random point? So every other pause that I mean think about it, just like every team, right? Every pause that everybody's been on, right? There's been sort of some uncertainty about how long it would last and when you would come off and what games you would play. In this situation, UVA knows exactly when they'll come off, they know exactly who they're playing, they know exactly when that's happening. Now they might not know, you know, what it's going to look like when they practice and what it's going to look like, you know, when they come to to test them again in the middle of the night or whatever. But they know roughly, you know, what team they're going to play, and they're able to spend basically this whole week getting ready for that one team. I'm really curious to see once this thing unfolds. I can see them being rusty offensively, timing being a little off. But I, in terms of understanding what a team wants to do and who they are, you know, like they might physically have a problem kind of getting where they want to go, but knowing where they're supposed to be when they do go, I think this might be a little bit outside the. Uh, A little bit outside the norm of what we've seen. Like, I do think there's a there's a very real thing about you fade first team first halves for teams coming off pauses. And I'm not saying that UVA is going to come out and not look rusty, but I also think that like in terms of X's and O's, like they're probably going to know Ohio stuff better than any opponent that they've seen in the first round in years, if if not. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just to me that's a difference of a pause now versus. In the season I don't know if, if yeah, you guys uh, agree with that
1: No I, I 100% agree and also think Like you know you know you're sitting in your room Now right like quarantining whatever But Tony also said they can go to the Facility individually Yeah and get that's true I mean, so, yeah and that's what if, Casey
0: told us Before right is that they basically he would The team would go and practice and he would go in later and get His own time you know getting shots up So I mean you're not it's not like they're yeah. sedentary Right they're getting but it's just not this you know But then yeah, again today's can, point like what has been quote Unquote normal this season
1: yeah, and then you know the conditioning aspect. Obviously, they're not going to run up and down playing five on five for forty minutes, you know, in and practice. But they weren't doing that like before that
2: anyway. Yeah, like, but
1: you know, the fact that they right now every one of these guys knows the next time they play, it's on the national stage, right? Right. So it's going to be a little bit easier to run, go, you know, go to the facility or go for a five mile run or whatever you want to do. Um, like I guarantee you, they're conditioning a lot more than they would be if they were. At home in a pause in early February. So I'm not quite as worried about that aspect, Um, especially with the extended TV timeouts and stuff we see in the tournament, um, which will be another interesting (laughs) wrinkle. Like, what do you do? Like, I guess you're not going to have guys six feet apart in the TV timeouts because that seems to be where to. the contact tracing
2: came I from. feel like you have to, or the NCAA just going to have to say, screw contact tracing. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, those are their two choices. They can either, but we know, they we can know either mandate TV timeouts, too. Yeah, so they can, can either reason. mandate no huddles or they can say, you know, we're not I going to contact trace.
1: We, we and that's when the coach to, takes his mask off and he yells at the team
0: too. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we need to we need to move on to to, to at least mention what happens after this because we won't record again until after this weekend. So we don't, you know, the whole whether they do or don't play, whether they do or don't win, if they do win, who they play, if they do play, uh, a second game, who you know, and do they win, do they not, like all that stuff. We got to get through all that uh, on the on the other side next week. But um I I think it's worth mentioning Because I don't know If everybody understands this But basically You know We're talking about like Virginia's obviously Isolated and in quarantine But for all intents and purposes Like teams are Able to practice together But they're not doing Anything else Like there is no other Like activity Right This is not like A normal NCAA tournament Where you know You're going and doing stuff Um, Like They're They're essentially Stuck In their hotels On their specific floors And nobody goes on that floor Except for them Right. And seeing some of the stuff that's come out of the bubble, I'm I'm not entirely sure Virginia's not in a better spot just being wherever they are right now. Right. Like Tony made a good point on Sunday, and he's right that in theory
2: at least, if UVA came out of this unscathed, they would probably be the most healthy or they would be like the least exposed team (laughs) because they've been literally like sitting in rooms doing nothing. Yeah. That's true.
0: All right, real quick, because um, I want to get—we uh, need to, you know, this is already going to be the longest episode ever. Um, if UVA is able to beat Ohio, who who, who you got on the other side? Um, Ferber did a a good job the other day, sort of breaking down the. Um, the pod that UVA was facing, and and um, I, those things are always a little bit. I, I, I they they are the right way to handle the, that situation, but I'm always like, oh god, should we talk about Creighton and Santa? You know, UC Santa Barbara before <laughs> before you know Virginia actually plays Ohio. But um, Ferber, let's start with you. If UVA were to win and they play on on Monday night, or excuse me, Monday, we don't know when that game would be. Who you got, uh, Creighton or, or or Santa Barbara?
2: I think that's going to be a good game too. Um... Creighton obviously favored. I picked UC Santa Barbara in my bracket.
0: No real reason. Just
2: I think that they have enough to keep it competitive. They're a more extreme example of a team that hasn't played anybody than Ohio because um, at least Ohio played Illinois. UC Santa Barbara hasn't played a single team that's a h- top 100 in Ken Palm, um, but they're 22-4. and four. You know They're ranked 69th in Ken Palm. Shout out to Kyle two 69th. Um, say that one more time. Um nice. They also also this is really funny as an aside. They play their home games at, in Ken Palm. It says like what the name of the home arena is. They play right. their it says home games played at Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> just Thunderdome, not like just the Thunderdome. Thunderdome. Um, but yeah, I mean they won their conference tournament relatively easily. Um, you know, like their Ken Pom profile, they're just really solid and everything, not like really amazing at anything, but they have a really good guard who's a transfer uh, McLaughlin from Oregon State a uh, pretty good player. Um, they seem like a team that is going to, it's like, you know, they're used to winning. They know how to win on the other side of things. You have Creighton who is a solid team. You know, they've, they've got some good wins. Um, I believe they beat Villanova at least once. They beat UConn three times. Um, but they just got blown out by Georgetown in the big East championship game. They lost two of their last three regular season games. Um, they had an issue with their head coach, who was suspended for making inappropriate comments to his players before a game not long ago, like two weeks ago. Um, I don't know if that's still lingering over the team or not, um, but he's back now. They have pretty good guards, um, veteran guards, guys that have been around. Um, capable team. Uh, they can shoot the ball a little bit. You know, they, they like to play, get up and down the court. Um, it would be a con- it would be more of a contrast of styles, I think, if it's Creighton. Um, and obviously that's the team that UVA is more likely to face if they beat Ohio, I guess. Um, but And I think that that would be an interesting matchup. But I think UVA usually does pretty well in those like contrast of style sort of games. So I, I don't think it's
0: the worst matchup that UVA could have gotten in the bracket draw. Dave, to me, listen, I, I don't know if I, if I think I haven't done my bracket yet. Um, I don't know if I think Creighton's going to win, but I know that if Creighton wins and they sort of right the ship a little bit, um, in terms of, I mean, listen, they 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 just did not look right. Um, after um, you know, every all the the drums, um, I, I kind of feel like they're probably not the team that you want to see, but maybe that's that's just me. I don't know. Um, what do you what do you think about the matchup? If UVA is able to win, who, who who you got?
1: I mean, I think Creighton's going to win. Like, um, I mean. Uh, I think it's gonna be a weird tournament like a lot of people are going to be picking upsets because it's a crazy year right but I think if anything this year might end up being a little more chalk than than normal um because I think there is a separation between that obviously you got like the gonzagas and Baylors of the world and then you've got a you know a drop to to the other teams where quite frankly if Virginia had been able to finish the ACC tournament and won that thing um you'd be talking about them as like right behind that, you know as part lead of that second tier even. Um, so, I mean, I think Virginia is probably a little underseeded. I think they're probably the second most underseeded team in the tournament, according to Ken Palm, behind Loyola Chicago. Um, so, to me, Virginia, like if they can get through Ohio, I think Creighton wins. If even if they don't, I, I like the matchup. Like to me, the the danger game for Virginia is the first game out. Um, you know, I, you know <laughs> we don't want to get into speculation, but you know, assuming. You know, assuming they have all their starters, um, which I think we can p- feel pretty confident about based on Behan's comments, um, and they beat Ohio, I think they'll be ready to go for the second game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm honestly, like yeah, I'm not really worried about Ohio, and I almost like I'm way way more com- comfortable like picking Virginia coming out of this you know out of the weekend than I should be.
0: All right, I think that's a good place to. Put a pin in it for now. We're going to go to our interview with the one and only Chris Long. All right, everybody, as promised, the man himself, number 91. Chris, I'm going to have to ask you at some point what it's like to walk into a building when half of the wall of the building is your face. Um, But Chris Long has joined the, the podcast in celebration of our 400th episode. Chris, how are you, my friend? I'm
3: doing great, Brad. How are you?
0: Well, I, full disclosure to the folks out there listening As they hear this a week after We don't know what's happened with Virginia basketball We don't know um, how we're doing <laughs> Yeah, we don't know how we're doing, Chris um, Ask me in
3: a week how I'm doing <laughs> right? I mean, Like, Listen, if we if we don't get to go to Indy, that's going to be a huge, huge bummer uh, I
0: know But it is Friday afternoon as we record uh, this interview um, We at this point know Virginia's not going to play in the semifinals in, in Greensboro, the Cavaliers are uh, presumably already home by now. Um, still don't know about Indy. Still don't know about um, what's going on from this point forward. But we're gonna try to give folks something else, maybe to 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 to, to sink their teeth into next week, um, or I guess as they listen to it this week. Time is weird. Um, but Chris, I want to <laughs> start. I want to start here, man. Um, so rivals, is a you know, obviously recruiting is a is a big thing that we do. And it, as I was kind of preparing for this, I became kind of aware of the fact that I actually don't know much about how your recruitment sort of went. If, you know, if it was UVA foregone conclusion, you know, from the jump or what. And so I want to take you back to, um, to high school days. Was, was the pull to go to UVA, was that as real right from the start or did that sort of develop over time? Take me through sort of how, you know, your recruitment went and, and what went into your decision to go to UVA.
3: Well, I did commit early. I committed junior year. So, you know, I took my first offer. Um, So it wasn't a long process officially, but, you know, looking back, it was far from a foregone conclusion that I was going to end up playing at Virginia. I mean, definitely something that I wanted to do. Um, You know, definitely a hometown kid that, you know, grew up going to U-Haul to watch basketball in Scott Stadium. And all those landmark victories and whatnot, I was up there running around raising hell on the hill. And, you know, so for me, it was it was always in the back of my mind, but initially in 10th grade, when I started getting recruited, I didn't think I was that good. Um, and quite frankly, uh, you know, it didn't help that I was at a private school because people would tell me, you know, like, you're not that good. You're just at a small school, That that sort of thing. And I have right. a dad who happens to be very realistic. And, uh, he would tell me, Hey man, you got to work on your guard sets. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if you, you have like the, the athleticism it takes to play defensive <laughs> end in college, but he, he, to this day, he claims he didn't say it like that he was just saying like, you know, hedge your bets a little bit. Let's work on your guard right. sets. whatnot. Right. I can remember the first day I went down to that shell station down below stab on Ivy road and, uh, opened my letter after school it was my first letter it was from Cal. And, uh, I just was blown away and it wasn't anything special. It was just the generic typed out letter, like, Hey, we know you exist. (laughs) Um, and a signature and, uh, and I saved that for a while. And, uh, you know, I looked at Ivy league schools a little bit, but my grades probably weren't going to be good enough. I looked around the ACC a little bit, honestly, the, the two teams in the ACC that I, I took trips to was UNC and Virginia tech. Right, and I didn't like the hokey Stone at Virginia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the I thought the buildings were ugly. <laughs> kind of looks like it's Shawshank. It, it bit, looks like it bit. looks like a prison. Um, as if UVA no, fans you need know. a
0: reason to love you more, Chris.
3: <laughs> well, I went on one of those guys' podcasts before the the Commonwealth. Oh, that's cup right, that's shirt. right.
0: You did. Yeah, it yeah, all kinds I, of ruckus.
3: Yeah. And I just I was talking about the Hokie Stone. And, you know, like I complimented Blacksburg enough as a as a beautifully set place. But um yeah, I wasn't a fan of the Hokie Stone. And then when I went to, to UNC, that was honestly where I really had serious aspirations of going. But when I went there for my unofficial visit, I didn't get the idea that they were as crazy about me going there. Um mm-hmm. and there was just kind of one little interaction that I was like, uh. Eh maybe not the place for me um, so who was the coach then yeah, well, who was the coach it it wasn't his it was probably not his fault but you know i watched these two coaches like i was waiting i was being ushered back there to meet meet a coach or something and and uh somebody said to the coach hey this is chris long you know blah 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 and the guy was like yeah i gotta go do this thing right now like whatever <laughs> and the guy was like, it's the guy was like, it's Howie's son. And the guy's like, oh, okay. So then he comes over and talks to me. Uh-huh. And and my thing was like, I just didn't get the idea in that interaction that they were that interested in me, the player. Right. Um, and that and that was probably unfair.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know, man. Like I would imagine as you went through heck all of the time that you played football, the fact that your dad played football and who your dad was, that was never that was never not a part of your own story, right? Your own experience, right? Like that had to have been on some level, part of it for you,
3: it was always part of it. It was always part of it for me. Um, you know, it was just a reality growing up. Uh, your aspiration is to do something at the highest level. That's the expectation people are going to put on you, and right. it happens to be in the field that you know your dad um, existed in and excelled in, and actually was one of the best of all time to do what he did. Right. Yeah, and so that yeah, that, it, wasn't,
0: that, it wasn't like your dad just played the game, right? I mean, he's a not right? I you know, like
3: <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, and I've, I've had buddies who, who's, who played in the pros and whose dads played the game at a high level. And, um, you know, but it's just, it's not quite the same. You know, my dad's a very visible person, um, and was great. And when your dad's a hall of famer, no matter what you do, people always question, you know, one, the legitimacy of you being in a space that you've earned being in, but also two the impressiveness of your accomplishments. And for me, the latter never bothered me. I don't care if anybody thinks my accomplishments are that impressive. I feel pretty good about what I've been able to accomplish humbly. The first thing always bothered me, you know, and that was people doubting you and questioning Mm -hmm. you um, as if you didn't get there on your own merits. Cause I can honestly say I outworked everybody in the building.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, and I can imagine too, like talking to enough recruits as I have over the years, like, you want to you go to a school where you feel like they're interested and invested in you as a, as not only a, a player, but also a person. And so to ju- whether that thing is who your, who your family was or, you know, how big you are, whatever that thing might be, you know, you want to be more than just, you know, this other thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, and like, you want to, you want to get that vibe. So when, yeah. You- and that's, and that's
3: what I got. That's what I got from Algro. And that, you know, it wasn't, I didn't think Algro was a BS guy. Um, And I was impressed by the, you know, the super bowl trophy on his desk. I was impressed by, you know, his NFL background, but more than anything, I just, he reminded me of somebody who was just no BBS and, um, he wasn't trying to oversell something. And so I'm not much of a courting guy, you know, like I didn't, I haven't spent a lot of time in my career as a free agent. Um, I haven't spent a lot of time getting recruited, you know, like I committed, I took my first offer. Um. I'm just not one that likes the song and dance of that. Right. Um, and so Al Grow kind of was all business and, and I liked that about him and lo and behold, it turned out to be a great decision as far as like connecting with a coach who, who invests in you, the person. And I would have never, but you talk about a guy who comes back into town every year now. Uh-huh. and hosts 20 guys at 30 Nellies or yep. wherever and holds court and sits around and remembers everybody and calls everybody and makes sure it's organized and John Copper shout out to John Copper to get that stuff done um but like Al Gro cares about his players as people and so that's why I was very lucky to meet him and here he is 15 20 years later for some guys still checking in on them you would not believe the amount of people that i still talk to that are like hey coach crow hit me up the other day did you hear about this you know he was checking out how i was doing that sort of thing that means a lot and that's Mm -hmm. rare in college football
0: yeah for sure and i think um i I think this is this is going to be maybe a hot take but I feel like Al for a lot of fans got a bad rap just because that disconnect between, you know, what really happens and sort of the the way that fans sort of internalize what they think happened. You know what I mean? Mm, And And from talking to Biscuit and talking to various other guys, Elton Brown over the years, like I've always gotten the sense that Al was the kind of coach that every player wanted to play for. even if he maybe wasn't necessarily the kind of coach that gave all the fans the warm fuzzies does that make sense
3: yeah absolutely i mean i think a lot of you know a perception of a fan base is molded by press conferences or you know stuff like that i mean that that bill belichick would never survive if he wasn't such a great coach because people would take any opportunity they could to you know, to run him out of there because he's not warm and fuzzy or not even like in a conventional football sense, warm and right. fuzzy. And, and he wasn't a rah-rah
0: guy either. He wasn't, not a it rah, wasn't rah, Mike rah London, guy. right? Like Mike would get up there. I mean, Mike, you, you, you just, you wanted to listen to Mike talk forever, you know, like because yeah. Mike was just a really good dude and he was really personable out. Like you said, was a more of a business oriented, like handle your stuff kind of guy.
3: Yeah. And guys respected that. And guys, you know, like at first you're like, man, this guy's a hard ass. I mean, he worked us to the bone and, uh but he put we a bunch of guys in the that. league uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah we had a bunch true. of guys in the league we had a yeah. bunch of guys in the league we we were always the biggest most physical strongest team um we could have been better it's in skill position um you know areas at times but you know i think al did a really good job and and if anything you know he might have rubbed some of the virginia culture a little bit wrong like the virginia um like the school wrong a little yeah, bit because yeah. he was so all about football. He was about the academics as well. I mean, like, he he's a Virginia guy through and through and he takes pride in that and, in recruiting guys that are smart, tough, and focused. That was the whole thing. So smart was the first thing, but he wasn't ever going to play the political games. You know, he was never going to, you were going to have a meeting with him, I'm sure. And if you worked at the school and you didn't like what you heard, you, you probably didn't like the tone of the meeting either. Cause he wasn't going to just like, he wasn't going to package things to sound all rosy. I mean, right. he was just yeah. a great shooter and that can part of being a coach is working with, you know um, the school as well. And, and, and that's tough like uh, at Virginia because it is a very serious academic institution.
2: Right. And I think Bronco actually is kind of like Alan that way too, where he just is, He's like, this is, these are the facts and this is where we are. And I think he kind of gets, he's gotten a little bit more runway just because they had all those losing seasons. And it's like, we need someone to come in and sort of be the CEO and, you know, he's getting kind of listened to, I guess.
3: Yeah. And those guys work hard. They work very hard. It reminds me of Al's program in a sense and the workload. Like if you go over there for a day and see how committed these guys are, um, you know, it's a testament to the culture that Bronco's trying to install or er, instill and got in the team and, and install work ethic in, um, 18 year old kids who I can guarantee you for the most part have not worked like they have to work when they walk on campus in Charlottesville in the classroom <laughs> or on the football field. So, you know, that process, like I was talking about with Al Gro, there is a process where for a year and a half, you're like, is this guy nuts? Does he not like me? You know, like, (laughs) is this not the right place for me? Like, and I've told this story before. I almost transferred. Um, I almost transferred after my freshman year to. I thought about Ohio state. I thought about Cal, um, you know, and I really seriously committed it. I might've done it if I wasn't so scared, you know, of making the change and being disloyal. Um, but there were a few crossroads like that. Like Bill Musgrave was my, the guy who recruited me, um, and he left. So I felt weird for a little bit there. That dude is coached on like
2: half the NFL teams now. Yes,
3: he has. But then there, there was the period after freshman year where, and most of this was scheme related, like we were running a 3-4. And I don't think I really understood what that entailed when I committed. And, uh, and it was hard for me. And it was hard being, you know, my dad's son, four-star recruit, uh Gatorade state player of the year and being expected to do these big splash splashy pass rusher numbers and we're not really running the scheme for that and so I just at times was frustrated um but I soul searched a little bit and I remember there was a teammate of mine who will go unnamed who was thinking about doing the same thing after freshman year and we drove up to Afton Mountain you know that old abandoned parking lot up there with the the hotel that just sits up on top of the hill on top half, yeah, I always just right. assumed
2: that place was haunted.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> it probably is. But me and Redacted went up there and sat for like three hours until we figured it out. Huh. And when when we left the parking lot, we said we're not leaving. We're in this thing for life, and um, and so we were,
0: huh? You and Redacted up there on, on in the in the Haunted Mansion, just ha- just hammering in it the out.
3: parking lot. <laughs> in the, yeah, in the
0: parking lot of the uh, with Scooby Doo and, and, and company running around. It was daytime, when... <laughs> luckily. Yeah, but in in a situation like that, like did you talk to you know your folks? Did you talk to anybody on the team otherwise? Just you and Redacted, just kind of hammering it out.
3: Well, some of you talk to your your parents obviously, and they always want to focus. They they always want to support you no matter what. You know. Um, and certainly having a dad who understands like the trials of football, I'm sure he understood where I was coming from, from a scheme perspective, but also, you know, um, the grass, not always greener on the other side. And that's something that people need to hear too. Yeah. absolutely. Um, it's like one of the biggest lessons in life, I think. And, you know, was, through that process, we just kind of—I made some pros and cons, and the pros outweighed the cons. And and more than anything, it means something to me to play college football in my hometown. And so, you know, that was part of the reason I was—I uh, was so adamant about playing at Virginia. Once I got the offer, was also the reason I stayed.
0: Right. Do you think that maybe figuring that piece out in college is is part of maybe what helped you in terms of whether it was moving from one team to the other, whether it was kind of not going through the whole free agency thing. I mean, you you always seem to make very, you know, quick and reasonable. You know what I mean? You didn't seem yeah. particularly impacted, at least from the outside looking in. I mean, obviously you can tell us how you really felt yeah. in it. But you never seemed to make the emotional decision, right? You didn't need the, the team to kiss your butt. You know, you, you kind of looked at it and you and said, you know what? It's best in my best interest to, mo- to move on to, to another opportunity. And you seem to be no frills about it. Do you think that, for the, that helped most you? Part,
3: for, for the most part, I did that. I tried to make decisions that were rooted in, in logic and rooted in loyalty and rooted in personal pride, um, right. you know, for the, the kind of teammate I was, or, um, the kind of dude I was and, you know, and when I was in St. Louis, you know, first eight years of my career, I didn't hit free agency because after I had that 13 sack year, um they paid me, you know, they, they, uh, they read me up a year early. So I never hit the market and yeah. Do I wish I'd have hit the market? Yeah, I do. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd have wished, you know, maybe I'd have had more confidence that the sky wasn't going to fall like, but during my contract season, when I I was playing through a high ankle sprain, so I was shooting my ankle up every week. I was like, well, if I don't sign this deal now, I take a chance on next year. Like, look what you're going through right now. It's a miracle. You're able to do double digits like this. So, you know, didn't hit free agency in St. Louis. And then for the first time at 31 years old, I'm looking up and I'm definitely past my prime and I'm on the back end. And I'm looking at trying to win. And so new England was just a really calculated, like handicapping, like who's going to give me the best chance to win a championship right. decision. And then I made a selfish kind of like ego decision to go play in Philly and leave new England, because I wanted to prove that I wasn't washed up and I had to play in a system that was um conducive to me doing that and so that's that's why i went to philly the only emotional decision i ever made which you know sometimes i could go either way on was retiring Hmm. um you know i i was kind of fed up with some things Mm -hmm. and uh, i just said i said enough is enough and part of it was like if i was fed up with my situation in philly you know, i'm not talking about the city or my teammates or anything like that but i mean it's been kind of documented that it wasn't the reason i stopped playing was because of i, I didn't like the situation i was in on right, that team right. like i also made the emotional like overly loyal decision to not try to force my way out and play somewhere else right and just decided yeah. hey like i'm irritated with this whole thing i just want to be done with it and i kind of i don't want to say made a rash decision but I feel like if you're going to ever retire before they force you out, there is going to be some emotion involved. You have to True. like seize that moment where you had the realization that you're willing to do it. That's the only time I've ever been emotional about, you know, making a decision. Otherwise I try to do it the way you describe.
0: Yeah. With um, in terms of when you were at UVA, um, you know, I think for a lot of, a lot of fans, you were, um, you were a guy who was the heart and soul, right? You, you were That's the, the way you were viewed, I think, from the outside looking in is, you know, you were the one with the energy. You were the one with that a lot of folks seemed to rally around, you know. I don't know if that was something that resonated with you at the time or if it is something that, you know, in your post sort of football life has really resonated with you. But how does how does it feel to be from a place, to play for a school that's, you know, home, and then to have the, that vibe with the fans, to, you know, to for them to to show you that sort of love and to have that sort of view of you, does did that ever – how long did it take before that really sunk in?
3: I mean, it sunk in relatively quick that there was going to be a little bit more of a microscope on me because I was a hometown guy. But um, I think as much as it means so much to me to have – for my hometown to be proud of me or to say, like, you know, this guy – played good ball at Virginia and then he went to the pros and he played good ball and he you know he's a guy that played the game the right way busts his ass we can be proud to say he's one of us but I think more than that is like you know your teammates and the thing you mentioned off the top is like if you're a guy that people gravitate to you have to earn that um you know there are guys that people think are cool in the locker room and they're going to gravitate to those guys but For you to be a leader you have to put in the sweat equity and you have to work and you have to be magnetic and you don't try to go out and think about being a leader because that's just not how it works um i really do believe the reason that team was so close and you know i'm deflecting a little bit here there were a lot of leaders on that team and that was a magical year i mean Mm -hmm. there was a lot of close ball games you guys got a lot of bounces man yeah, we we found ways to win and and that was a really tight team. Of all the teams I've been on in football, that might be one of them. Um, the tightest. And what you have to have is guys that just love each other. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is nobody could if there's one thing I hope people would remember is that I, I love my teammates, you know. Um, and I think if you love your teammates and you're and you get it done on the field and you put the work in, because I know they respected the way I worked then you're gonna get that in return. And so I I think that's one of the biggest things, like how connected are you with your teammates? There are leaders that are not so connected with their teammates, but those guys have to be incredibly skilled at football. And most people aren't good enough to be a leader just off of performance. You have to be able to connect with your teammates. and, And ultimately the best way to do that is to legitimately care about them. Yeah. And we cared about each other a great deal that year.
0: It's interesting too. Like that seems to be a theme. doesn't matter what sport doesn't matter what level, you know, it's a, it's all about that humanity piece. Right. And that, you know, we all, we get focused on, you know, Oh, you know, how many sacks does so-and-so have or how many touchdowns does so-and-so have. And what I always find interesting is that you, you talk to players and they, they remember a lot of one, they, a lot of times they don't remember the games they won they they focus on the ones you know the ones that got away from them the ones they lost mm-hmm. but it's always about the people like i could have a you know a a, a run sheet here of like things i want to talk to you about and we could i could ask you like what's your favorite college memory is it playing mm-hmm. that dude in maryland in the, in the turf you know probably <laughs> yeah. he, oh, Chris might, yeah. he might As, still be there he <laughs> might still be there he's
3: growing. i wanted to check on him because it was nothing <laughs> personal but <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Yes.
2: I, hate I was I, I like i think i like legit <laughs> laughed when that happened because it was just like oh like
3: he's off the ground here's the yeah. problem with that I hit him hard sure but it was actually the guard's fault because <laughs> I beat the tackle and I was getting slide pro and a lot of times like out of that frog stance in a three four the best you can do is bait out like as if anybody's really should be worried about me in that sumo stance getting the edge. Uh-huh. The tackle's gonna widen with you. Then you beat him inside and be ready to immediately swim the guard. I had a sack against NC State that way. It's one of the smoothest rushes of my career. <laughs> but this is what happened. So I beat the tackle inside, and then I've got the guard under my armpit. And you can get away with swim moves in college, like that was one thing right. that just doesn't happen the same way in pros. But this dude pushed me not in the side, like not to widen me. He pushed me in the back. Yeah, he like propelled you towards the quarterback. <laughs> He gave me a little nudge right into Chris Turner's chin. And, uh, yeah, you could feel that one. And I hate Maryland. So that felt really good. I know you didn't ask me about a best memory, but that might be one of them yeah. for sure. Yeah,
2: I was going to, I was going to ask, like, do you miss, I mean, obviously you're not playing for UV anymore, but do you kind of miss
0: that rivalry? Like now that it's gone? Oh man. Um, Chris, don't say you don't want to bring it back because then I got to go to College Park and no. I don't want to go to College Park, bro.
2: Yeah, now I they're enjoy... getting in beasts with Michigan <laughs> yeah, basketball it's and it's like story. a whole thing.
3: I, uh, I, you know what? I enjoyed making fun of my Maryland friends and telling them that they had to leave, which not necessarily <laughs> true. I know they have a good athletic program, but uh, it's fun to say. Uh, now, if they were back, I wouldn't mind beating them a couple times a year in multiple sports. So, Yeah. Yeah, now oh. it's like you can just be like, enjoy playing
2: Nebraska or whatever,
0: because you, know,
3: yeah, cause you right? know they don't want to do that either. They don't so. yeah, well, they don't want to. They're just so hateable that like Big Ten will figure that out soon and they'll get really tired of those guys and just start beating them into submission if they aren't already, already aren't because they're just so annoying. Yeah,
0: that's 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 very, very true. I Ferber and I caught some sort of stomach thing the last time we were in College Park. And I yeah. believe that we would like to never God, go back that was, personally. That was a <laughs> shitty trip. Um, God, that was terrible. Ugh. It was anyway. for a
2: basketball game, and they lost in overtime. And it was their last ACC game. And I was like, I'm not going to miss coming to
0: this place. Yeah, it was. Terrible. Yeah, you got to
2: be
3: careful up in uh, College Park. Yeah. Food, um, water. Yes. You know. Everything. Everything. Yeah.
0: All right. Tell me this. So in the – I think with all successful athletes, right, the, the idea of going from being a professional and then to whatever's next, right, that transition, you know, some guys do it, you know, and it, and it seems to work for them. Some guys struggle, you know, not having that um, whether it's the, the grind that they get used to day to day, whether it's their teammates, whether it's the roar of the crowd, of we'll all of those, how was your transition? I mean, you seem to, to kind of zero in on the, on the podcasting thing pretty quick. Um, how was your transition and, and and sort of what helped you kind of let go of that former, life and and kind of focus on what was ahead
3: well it's funny you never fully let go of it because as long as there are people making plays doing what you did for a living you're always going to be a little bit jealous you're Mm -hmm. always going to say especially if you know like when i left i knew i could still play a little bit you're always going to say like i know i can make that play like but am i willing to deal with the bs right am i willing to deal with the politics am i willing to deal with you know in an nfl building there's a lot of politics and there's a lot of as you get older the business end of that thing really gets more prominent and um I got tired of it so in a way I was happier than I'd ever been you know my first couple months out of football happier than I ever been in my life um because football's football's a grind man I know we got paid a lot of money to do it um but I can tell you the losses don't get any easier the injuries don't don't hurt any less yeah. the disappointments don't hurt any less the pressure doesn't feel any less crippling because you have money um and because you you've had some success in the sport so i think just walking away like the ability to conquer that fear that i had for most of my career who am i without football like walking through that door like in the truman show you seen that movie? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: When he walks out that door, that's how you feel. Like, you really yeah. feel just like... You don't
2: know what's on the other side. Yeah, right? you don't
3: know what's on the other side, and it's scary, and all you hear about is, is just, like, this horror show of everybody that finishes playing football is going to have a terrible life. Right. You know, they're going to have traumatic brain injuries going to manifest in some terrible way. They're going to go broke. You're going to get divorced. Like, you're yeah, going to miss right? football. You're going to be sitting there in your Letterman jacket, like watching old highlights at 3 a.m. Like, (laughs) no, it's nothing to be afraid of. You will never have the highs that you had playing football again. You will never have those highs. And that is okay, because you'll never have the lows either. I mean, life's gonna throw some shitty days at you, right? Right. But the way failing at football makes you feel about yourself, (laughs) it's a really rough thing and the the adrenal just fatigue of 365 for really for me i was in high school i was i treated it like a job i mean i was trying to be something uh for the last 20 years of my life so to walk away from that was a relief in and of itself but then after that it's learning who you are right because like football is a massive part of your life and your ego and a massive part of your day to day, your routine. You don't really know who you are. You know, you kind of know who you are and football can shape you in a lot of positive ways, but football also can obscure your view of like who you are. And so mm-hmm. you also, when you encounter certain things, you, you deal with certain feelings over that 20 year period, you use football to cover that stuff up. Mm-hmm you know, you use football as like, kind of like, I can't think about that right now. I can't work on myself in that way. Like, I don't like this thing about myself, but I, I'm busy playing football. I have no right. energy for a new hobby for self-help, nothing. And so getting away has been just like illuminating, man. I, and, mm. and if you'd have told me that my first year out, there'd be a pandemic and I'd have to sit in my house for a year. I thought I lost my mind, you know? <laughs> and um, how did it go? It's been awesome. It's been awesome. I mean, I miss it sometimes. The podcast really helps because, you know, Al Grove, he popped up again. He told me something that really stuck with me is like when I had a few years left in my career, he was like, don't try to replace football when you leave because you will never replace football. Kind of the thing I told you. You'll never get the same highs. You'll, ne- you- you'll never get the same lows either. You just have to get used to living a more even-keeled life. Mm-hmm. And Al told me that you try to find something that replaces football in a sense of a pursuit of excellence or a pursuit of accomplishment of achievement, because that's the one thing. Every time he rounds us up, he reminds us. Really when you were out there playing football, you know, guys love football in different ways. You know, I certainly love competing. I love grinding. I love challenging myself, but I didn't love the game all the time. Like just purely, I don't sit at home and, watch football all day. If I don't have to, you know, I don't sit here and think about football all day, but the point Al grow was making is everybody loves achieving something. And everybody loves that feeling of when you walk off the field saying like, I did it, you know, like I accomplished right. something, like right. we accomplished something. And so finding something to replace that void or to fill that void, that's kind of podcasting for me, honestly, like I'm social. Um, so I like talking to my buddies. Right. Uh the grind of studying, it keeps me involved in the game just enough. Right. I'm not psychotic like Biscuit. You know like where I <laughs> want to go coach college football. You don't you don't want to you
0: don't want like, to be coach Chris. Come on man.
3: No, you're not man. you're not
2: Dan Orlovsky like breaking down the all 22 for <laughs> 24 hours. Listen,
3: yeah. man, I could do it, but it just doesn't take as long to break down all 22 on, on D-line like so <laughs> I think the big thing is the podcast allows me to have fun like we let our hair down big time like we talk about anything and most people probably if they're a virginia fan when they pop on our podcast they're like man this guy turns out this guy cusses a lot he he, (laughs) how dare he cuss how dare you he's kind of a he's kind of a low life in a lot of ways but um it's a it's an authentic podcast i just didn't want if i was gonna get involved in media one i didn't want to be on tv because huh, i just don't want to i like the anonymity of podcasting right um yeah. and two i don't want to be told what to do anymore so yeah. me doing my own podcast is pretty nice and, and i don't have to wear a suit yeah
0: <laughs> you
2: don't yeah, and you don't have suit. to
3: talk in that specific cadence that everybody on tv
2: uses where they're yes. like when,
3: when you talk about a guy like so and so you know they do and i and i went through that justin where it was like for months i was uh, you know like when I say finding your voice, you're not finding your voice, like who you are. Cause like, I know who I am. I know what my voice is, but you try to fit who you are to like fit an industry norm and you'll listen to yourself sometimes. And if you didn't hate your voice enough, you're like, why are you trying to sound like a radio guy? Why are you trying to sound (laughs) like a play-by-play guy? You know, like it's a podcast, you know, and then there was, there's phases where I wanted to make it like a TV show and it was all overly segmented. The best thing it can be is just me and Macon. Yep. Who's doing your thing. Who's one of my best friends growing up and from high school and does spotting for uh for y'all over there and Virginia super fan, but he's also really fun to just kind of turn the mic on and we just go and then we have a great guest and then we just go.
0: Yeah. I, I look if you you gotta be honest though. A part of a part of Biscuit doing what Biscuit does is because Biscuit's just a different type of dude in so many yeah. different ways. And yeah. like, um I think that's the thing that I I, I would like for people. To sort of get an appreciation for when it comes to to guys that I've covered or, or or whatever, is it like that there is a person inside you, inside Chris Long, there's a person inside Biscuit, there's a person inside that jersey of Kyle Guy or whoever, right? And I thought when Kyle came out and sort of talked about the mental health side of, of yeah. everything after UMBC, and certainly I think you've done that too a lot with, you know, talking about sort of the injury aspect of football and, guys having to deal with you know so much more than what any fan has any idea about you know your day-to-day life you know we're not talking about like just a few hours on a Sunday right this is your life you know what I mean that that aspect of sort of getting inside of it like yeah we can we can be excited about like you know what happens on the field or on the court but there's also there's a humanity side and I don't know if that's you know, running a website with a message board for 10 years, or if that's just sort of, I think know, we the-
3: get a lot. I think the more we're online, the more we get in the internet's awesome. I sound like a 70 year old right now. No offense to any 70 year olds that are listening, you know, account my dad <laughs> and my mom is 60 year old. So like, but I sound like somebody who, but the the, like the internet's great. Social media is great. You know, like it allows us in the world of sports to form communities and Root for our teams together and that sort of thing and debate interesting topics. Well, more right. often than not, we're just screaming at each other. But I just feel like we lose the humanity sometimes. Um, we do. You know, sports is should be high pressure. You know, you should be embarrassed when you make a mistake because that's what you signed up for. Um when you lose, you should be miserable, right? But I do think that at times I can get frustrated with when I watch a player in the NFL who doesn't pan out or somebody who, you know, gets hurt a bunch or who's just not very good. You know, it, he kind of has to live the rest of his life with a lot of people coming up to him. And the first thing they think of is that football player, not that person. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think what's so interesting is, you know, as humane as we are in so many ways as a society, we really do put those athletes you know um and their performances on the field first and yeah um that that can suck that's the one thing about pro sports and uh, it's not a complaint any guy would tell you that's the huge trade off you know why guys are getting paid because there's not a lot of guys who can do it one but two if you're d Ford and you're lined up in the neutral zone in Kansas City in the AFC championship and Tom Brady goes down and scores and it negates a pick you're going to live with that for the rest of your life yeah you know if you're if i played in one of the super bowls and i jumped off sides or if i'm a player that dropped the ball in a super bowl or you know um or if i get drafted high because i worked my ass off and don't pan out like i play with guys that were in and out of the league in three years and they were drafted in the top five
1: mm-hmm.
3: they it really didn't have anything to, you know might had something to do with the the personal fit for being a football player but that doesn't make you a bad person so I think there's a there's a major human element that people miss out on. And also like in college football, right now, we mentioned biscuit. I gotta say, man, I look back at the, you know, I go to a workout, you know, like uh talk to Charles Snowden a little bit while he was here, right? Talk to any number of these really model citizens that play football for Virginia. I don't think fans realize, as appreciative as they are, about these players, how rare young men these guys are. They're being asked to do things. On the field and in the classroom that are unbelievable from a course load schedule standpoint from a workout standpoint from a commitment standpoint and i just hope virginia fans when they see a player play on the field appreciate the total package you have to be and Mm -hmm. the same thing goes for coaches like marcus hagan's
0: yeah
2: yeah i I, mean and then you throw the pandemic on top of that you know you're talking about people losing their humanity and you see people like on twitter yesterday i was like you guys gotta slow it down with like dunking on these teams for getting positives yeah. and then obviously today it kind of came back around but
3: oh yeah we we had uh it's like what the hell's wrong we had with Mark you? <laughs> titus and tate we had tate and titus on titus and tate uh that's how they prefer it yesterday and we were all dog and duke but we were like man in the back of our heads we were like we shouldn't dog them about the covid thing because that can happen to any team and and also like this year you're talking about um like last fall what these guys had to go through—they were, they were basically one, in prison they to do this yeah, stuff. Exactly, and, and that, huh?
0: I was—I was saying that they—they were basically. It felt like to them, I think, that they were in prison, right? Like they couldn't go and do anything. They couldn't hang out with their friends. You know, it was basically just nothing but sit around and wait for the next day. You know what I mean? And Then one, yeah, week and, they, and they were, were to happy Tallahassee to, and it, got a game
3: canceled, and they were happy to do it. They went down to Tallahassee and turned right around, but they—they they were happy to do it. And also, what they did whether people haven't really thought this through or not, is they gave us a source of entertainment get, that kept yeah. us sane. and they That did we desperately needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. All right, Chris, I'm going to get you out here on this one. Um, you mentioned no UVA fans. We're talking about fandom and such. I'm curious about, you know, you came full circle, right? So you were a hometown kid, played at the hometown school. You went through your, obviously, your professional career. Now you get to be a fan, right? Yeah. You're, you know, you're out there supporting the Who's as much as anybody. You were front and center for the national championship game up in Minneapolis. Um I think you didn't you even get on the cover of, of that like weren't Wait, you? So the, the few, yeah. So the funniest you like, thing was on the is, cover?
3: Yeah, me and um somebody dropped me off of Sports Illustrated a couple of weeks after the game and uh they said, Man, you, you really gotta have one of these one. And I was like, Man, I know. Get me like ten of them. They were like, No, you really need to have five ten of these. You had no <laughs> idea, huh? And and it was me. <laughs> Tom Sanney and Heath mm-hmm. Miller, um, up there. And a, a group of us went up, including John Phillips and, you know, including Macon who was working yeah, for the, right. for the team. And it was just an all time classic night, man, to, to be there. Listen, we've been there for the good nights, yep. we've also been there for the bad nights. And I <laughs> yeah. think that's the difference. I don't want to be the guy that just shows up, you know, national championship or, or, you know, when we. Regain the Commonwealth cup two years ago. Those are highlights, but I can tell you 50 times where I was on the road in the NFL on a Saturday and they didn't have the damn game on TV. And I had to get on some weird site or go to some (laughs) weird sports bar and sit there alone, you know, um, and watch like Virginia, Maryland and my buddy, Nate Collins, get a pick six in the rain. Yeah. Like I have all these memories of, of games where we fell short too, or when nobody was watching. And so it feels good to be a Virginia fan right now because things are, you know, we things are turning around.
0: You, uh, you mentioned, um, you know, being there for the for the good and the bad. Um, I want to know what that moment was like for you to watch them beat Tech. I mean, Whew. maybe you know, g- given you know, sort of. Like the the not everybody you know this is a shock to UVA fans. Not everybody hates Virginia Tech at the same level that all UVA fans do, but -hmm. I think pretty much every UVA fan has some level of hate for Virginia Tech somewhere in there. What was it like for you to watch those kids to to do that? What was it like for you?
3: Well, number one, uh, I never beat Tech obviously, so I was in the middle of that fifteen-year period. In fact, I think our freshman year was the first of the uh, the fifteen or so years that they held the cup. So the release the relief of the streak is over was monumental because like i said of all the like i can take a loss in the nfl like because i busted my ass i had full control over my circumstance um and at the end of the day you got to have a short memory i cannot take a, a virginia football loss i cannot take a virginia basketball loss. <laughs> i sat in various places for the better part of those 10, 11 years I was in the NFL. And every year, this could be the year, this could be the year. This could be the year we just could not get over the hump. And I do think there was a major mental aspect to it. So, you know, a guy like Bryce Perkins lat, you know, not two years ago, he's going to go down as one of the most productive players in Virginia history. And so I put him up there as one of the best players in Virginia history, even in a small sample size, but you can make a case for being one of the most important um virginia athletes of all time if you take into account what he did and if you take into account that 15-year period it was like an elephant on Mm -hmm. everybody's back and i know there were more guys shout out to like mandy alonzo making that play on the goal line um and that sort of thing but Bryce Perkins put that team on his back all year long and was tough. He was a consummate Virginia football player. And so to be there in person, I'll never forget it. It felt like we won because <laughs> <laughs> Lord knows that's the closest I'll ever get to beating Tech. Yeah. The Um, thing is, you only
2: get one day a year to fix it, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, it's like you get one chance. You don't get, like, you have to wait. So how how do you go about fixating on it? You
3: know, like, because Bronco does the thing with the clock. You know, I'm sure some coaches say it's just another game, but they've leaned fully into it, and I don't mind that either. But then, you know, you got to beat Tech.
0: Yeah, you yeah I think that
2: was a thing, too, is like when they started talking about it more, it's like, OK, well, now you have to back it up. You they're absolutely gonna, do. You're it. just going to get made fun of if you don't. You absolutely but, do. And they need to They over. need
3: to be more. They need to show up next year because, you know, last year I, I just I felt like, you know, that when you when you get beat by tech, you get beat by tech. But when you get beat by tech and, and it didn't have to be that ugly and right. you yeah. were you were competitive and you show up like that, like they got to be better next year. And UVA yeah. had the better team. Like they were just, yeah. and they just didn't play on the day, you know, but. Tech yeah. played. And that's the one thing I always respect about tech is tech plays. And so I know some people don't want to hear, you know, like tech compliments ever, ever at all. Like making if I compliment tech, <laughs> he wants to vomit. I'm like, listen, did you lose to Virginia Tech four years in a row? Because I did. And I'm just telling you, we have to elevate our level mm-hmm. um, to just, to just lock this state up because as you can see, they don't go away. I mean, we've right noticed now. it just watching them warm up.
2: Like, don't Brad, Brad, Brad has it said that you're like, yeah, these guys are not going to, they're just, just like, it's just roll different. Over. <laughs>
0: the, the way that they handle it on the field, you can see it. You can see it in the, how, the urgency, the, just in the way that their 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 energy is, like on pregame. You can see it. For and we got to be years, that way. We, yeah. We, we, have to ha-
3: we have to hate them as much as they resent us. Yep. You Absolutely. know, um, and that's the players, right? I mean, me, the fan, I have the luxury of saying I don't hate these guys so much. I just, I just don't like them. I'm not going to waste energy hating them. But like when you play on that field, you have to. And and yeah. and they gotta they gotta bring energy next year when they play them.
0: All right, I said last question. I lied. I want to talk to you a little bit about Waterboys. Um, yeah. I don't. I think it's really cool, just as somebody who covers UVA and who has grown up in Virginia, to see so many different, you know, places where UVA people are involved, right? Um mm-hmm. and that it, you know, I, I'm just I'm curious to you, as you look at where Waterboys is now, did you ever dream that it could be, you know, you guys just, you know, obviously spreading out in a different um arenas, different sports and stuff? Yeah. Did you ever have an idea that it could do what it's already done at this point?
3: Listen, it was just like um when we started it about five, seven years ago or whenever the plant the seed was planted. Um you know, we hoped to do 32 large solar-powered wells to signify 32 teams in the NFL. Mm -hmm. The fact that we are nearing 100 wells um, in the ground at this point and half a million people served, like, it's just beyond my wildest dreams. But the fact that we have, you know, outkicked our coverage uh, certainly doesn't make me complacent i want to push forward and do more and that's why you know like last year a year or two ago uh we changed our goal to a million people serve so we're going on a people serve model and we're not just working in east africa a lot of people see our graphics and see what we do um there and the need is the most dire there it's the it's the you know of all the places we work it is um We are also working domestically. We've done projects in Virginia at this point. You know, we just did a project in Texas. We're working in rural America. Water is an issue here in our country. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're also working on Navajo Nation where, you know, if you're an indigenous person in this country, you have 17 times the chance of encountering an issue with clean water um, Mm -hmm. than we do. And if you're a person of color, two and a half times that chance. So, No matter where you look, water is an issue, and the reason I am drawn to it as a cause is the most efficient way to change the world. You know where your your money's going, you know how many people are going to be helped by that by that donation. You know that you know um, one well is going to cost fifty thousand dollars, but it's going to serve a generation of up to seventy five hundred people with the gift of clean water. And so, life is hard enough when you're hydrated <laughs> right i joke a lot about hydration yeah, you, <laughs> I, you know because honestly when i got out of league i stopped i wasn't exercising much so i wasn't drinking as much water and i had this brain fog all the time but when you go into schools and kids don't have a water fountain when yeah. you go to east africa and you go to a school in tanzania a primary school and you got to go down a, a hundred yard hill down into this uh creek that runs through an urban area it's got gasoline film it's got trash in it, and kids are yeah. thoughtlessly just scooping up the water to go drink it at school um so it might not be as dramatic here as it is there but we have our issues here and so we're trying to work here and there it's really cool to see all the uva guys
2: involved in this too you know people in you know professional leagues so that's yeah
3: no i mean it was great crossing over into basketball you know we started hoops 2-0 we were able to recruit malcolm um to kind of head that up for a while and so malx had a guy like joe harris involved uh we had kyle guy involved uh obviously it was exciting to get a kyle guy because that meant we were getting some younger players too malx kind of moved on to start his own thing um and i'm excited for him in that right and uh i just think you know like in the water space we could use more athletes involved and so what we've tried to do is just build like kind of an alliance um where we have basketball players, we have mixed martial artists, we have baseball players. Um, and we also launched water for her recently, which is huge. International Women's Day was the other day. Women and girls bear the brunt of this uh, of this hardship, you know, when it comes to gathering clean water all around the world. Um, in Sub-Saharan Africa, you know, you're talking about billions of of hours in a year combined that women are wasting mm. gathering water. And we're talking about four to six mile treks every day. And we're talking about unclean water that you have to give to your children that can kill them. And so women not being in school, women not being in their communities, that's a terrible, terrible resource to waste. Um, you know, women in, in, in around the world are, are such drivers for their communities. And um, so we launched water for her the other day and we've raised a bunch of money already. So you can check that out at waterforher.org. Good
0: deal. Well Chris I've already kept you like a good half an hour past what I uh said Oh, you good man
3: so I appreciate you what is uh, this 400th you're 400 man so I I figured I'd stay a while so
0: <laughs> we uh, when you get to when you get to episode 400 of your show you feel free to call me and I'll come up yep. okay yep and I'll, I'll give it back to you but Chris long as if as if anybody out there needs uh, like like I said before anybody uh, listening to this show needs uh needs to know who you are thank you very much for your time sir It was great to catch up with you
3: thank you guys wah.
0: Oh Chris Long, man, that was that was a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, everybody out there, as you just uh, listened to that, enjoyed it. Um, I want to say again that I was just, I mean, over the moon doesn't even suffice, man. Like it was great to set that up and and to have him on, and I, you know, I thought he was incredibly genuine, and um, you know, Ferber said just a second ago off air, man, um, it, you know, ha- a couple of those things could have been their own. You know, hour long podcast by themselves. Um, but again, thanks to Chris and, um, to, to Reed and Macon for making it happen, uh, on the back end. I really appreciate, um, them helping us, uh, get that done. 400 episodes is a long time to do anything. F- and, um, <laughs> Ferber has not been with us the entire time, but he's been th- with us basically the entire time. It feels like he's been with us the whole time. Um, i don't know man i just want to open the floor and just i don't know spend a couple minutes talking about just what 400 feels like dave you have been there from the beginning um i'm pretty sure you paid for the original soundboard um, I did, man. um way back when we 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 had this idea um
1: from old holland paid for the drinks too. <laughs> so that's, sure,
0: that's true shout outs drink. to him um what's the day what's the podcast
1: mean to you Uh, a reason for me to come home early on Wednesday nights. I don't know. (laughs) It's it's been fun, man. Like, you know, it's, I mean, I'm sure you're the same way. Like I missed the, when it first started, we were all in Richmond and able to do it in person. That was fun. Um, Obviously life changes. I'm up in the Valley. You're in Richmond, Ferber's in places unknown. Um, You know, it's been, it's been fun, man. Just like when we first started, I think the reason we started it was obviously it was kind of a, you know, a a new media form, right? Like podcasts are starting to become a thing and we figured out we could do one. And, you know, Virginia was coming off the, the peach bowl. Um, so spring practice after the peach bowl, it looked like Mike London had the football program. Like basketball was trending, but we didn't know what it was going to become. But, you know, we started the podcast because of football, like we, you know, it's football recruiting and, and, um, now, obviously we're going to talk about sports, but if football hadn't been going so well, I don't know if the desire would have been there. Um, and that certainly yeah. changed not long after we started it. And we've ridden some lows and some highs. We've seen coaching change, and we started after the coaching change in basketball. But we saw you know Mike lose his job, and you know Bronco come in, and uh, we've seen we've been able to kind of chronicle the entire rise of of the Tony Bennett era. So it's been fun.
0: I, uh, <laughs> for I don't know when exactly in the process, and I'm not entirely sure. You have to remind me how exactly did did, did we just sort of like, hey, do you want to come on? Or was it like, well, even expected? when I was,
2: even when I started writing for the site, I wasn't on the podcast at first. So oh, it's an exclusive right. club. Um,
0: <laughs> an exclusive club we
2: have. Well, jackets. no, I think it, that was more like a, a function of the fact that a lot of times it was recorded in person, um, then and or whatever. And, and then eventually I joined. I can't remember like the first time. I, I remember coming on when I was with Streaking the Lawn. Um bleep yeah, bleep that name out actually. Um <laughs> since, <laughs> since they like to use my tweets for articles and then make fun of me for oh, the not, oh, not leaving it in. And then oh. not credit and then not use Caps as a credit. Um yeah. Yeah, that's I said it. Oh um No, <laughs> it's all good. Um everybody's gotta start somewhere. Um but yeah, I mean I I think that, you know, it's been fun. I was thinking about this earlier, actually, and there's a lot of times, especially this summer during the pandemic, where we just didn't have a lot to talk about, where like I'm working and you look up and you're like, oh man, I got a podcast. I got to do all this other stuff before we record. Um, And then you get, you start talking and it's like, you're having a good time doing it. Like, you know what I mean? Um, Like, even if it's like not the easiest, you know, subject to talk about or the, you know, things aren't going great. It's still good to like get the thoughts out. It's kind of cathartic. Um, yeah.
0: but yeah, it, I mean, it I gave me a sense of normalcy, you
2: know what I mean? Especially when it, we had something like kind of weird to talk about. Um, we're like, Hey, like the football team's not doing well or something even more serious than that. Or, you know, the, after the UMBC loss, I, I think about it, I was thinking about this earlier and, and it's interesting because like you think about things that happen, um, in sports or whatever in life. Um, and and you kind of think like what was I thinking at the time or like what how did it feel? Um, like our national championship podcast is like, it's like in carbon, you know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> we could always go back and like yeah. look at it. Um, and and I, honestly, one of the coolest things that you know has happened, especially over the past two years with the national championship and everything, is that I I realized that. Um, and I don't really mean this, but I always kind of thought we were just talking into the void. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's cool when you realize that people actually like do listen, <laughs> and it's also kind of scary because you're like, people actually like think yeah. that what we have to say is like worth talking, like listening to, yeah, <laughs> and, on their alert. like morning yeah. run or in the car or whatever. Um, but yeah. I do appreciate that, and it's been cool to sort of like get to know some people that listen to the show and and um, you know, talk about that kind of stuff,
1: yeah, Before, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, I mean, that's well, not not to step on your bread, but yeah, no, yeah, good. Um, the uh, you know 400 episodes i my guess is i've probably been on at least 350 of them if not more um i know brad's been on i think all 400 the uh, <laughs> yeah
2: if i oh. drop if i drop like a 401 next week and it's just me <laughs> <really Yeah>. <laughs> the um, lost
1: tapes no like just the amount of time like i mean obviously we do it because we're passionate about you know team we cover and you know the team i root for from my in my case but um I mean, it just uh, sometimes I think about how many hours we spent doing this. Like, I mean, in the beginning, like now it's, you know, we kind of call in and we spend 10 or 15 minutes beforehand. We probably spend twice that after. So it's a couple hours a night. Um, but but in the beginning, like the setup took it 35 minutes to an hour. That's right.
3: Yeah. You
1: had, we've had podcasts and you guys, I'm sure we've said it on the podcast, but there have been podcasts where we spoke for an hour and it was gold and we lost it. And we lost um, it. Yeah. And we had to like redo it. Re- try yeah, to re- do it with the same enthusiasm. Yeah. And um so yeah, it is nice when people say, Yeah, listen. Like it, it mean it makes it a little easier for me. Um, I mean I'll still I'll do it if it's just you know, my mom listening, but um, <laughs> you know, it's it's definitely rewarding when they when someone comes up and says, Yeah, we listen, we yeah. like
0: it. I mean, you have people who came to the store, you know. Um
2: I would like to like have some sort of bot that could go back and, and like pick the 10 or 15 most wrong things that we've ever said. Yeah. On this you mean podcast. like doing an entire me, podcast man. with Philip Sims? <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, it would just be like one. it would just be hilarious to go back and like clip out those things like old takes exposed does or whatever and just like listen to the things. And yeah, like the Virginia Tech basketball video the other day. Yeah. Um, thanks for doubting us. <laughs> thanks for doubting this? us.
0: We're now we're a 10 seat.
1: Yeah. yeah. This podcast is like nine years old, right? Nine years. Um, we have covered one men's national basketball title, two ACC tournament titles, and one victory over Virginia Tech football.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one Orange Bowl appearance.
1: Like, um, if you're if you're hokey and listening two hours in, whatever it is, I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> but yes, yeah, yeah, for sure, that's crazy. But um, that's still one of my favorite podcasts. In the parking lot after that game.
0: Yes, yes. When you finally got to open the bottle. Oh, yeah, man. Yes. I, I was gonna say, anymore. like, um, f- I was gonna get into some favorite moments. Uh, I mean, I kind of love, honestly. I mean, I know we just, you know, quote unquote, with three, with episode three hundred, you know, we did a, uh, you know, we had the interview with Ty, and you know, shortly thereafter, obviously, you know, I, I, I pride myself on knowing that I was, I, I got as close to an on the record uh, answer to the, you know, are you gonna stay? Or are you gonna go? question um but i i I just think about like how much the podcast changed over the years especially since we did that interview i mean it was him and me we're in the media room at uh, jpj um you know i've got the little recorder there um and you know what three weeks later you know he's a national champion after easily the three craziest basketball games that i've ever seen in person um Mm -hmm you know i mean you just think about like where we were you know that first night trying to figure out you know where where what hooked into what and what's funny about it is that we started this thing like before like podcasting is like a real thing now right like podcasting is like an actual you know literal yeah, like giant <laughs> you know we started this thing like way back when before like people i mean like when we first started it was literally it just lived on the board matter of fact and and I'm and I'm sad to say this out loud, but there are episodes of the podcast that don't exist anywhere anymore because they only existed in the rival system. And then once we upgraded, those things just got lost. Um, you know, we didn't have because you know when we started saying podcasting, you know, wasn't what it was. There were no, there were not like a bunch of companies that were out here. You know, like hey, put your podcast on, on our server. Like there wasn't how it happened. You know, and so I just uploaded it straight to rivals and it lived there. Um, it's pretty cool though now to to look back and see, like, you know, how far, you know, we've come from not just like the days of talking about really crappy football and, 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 you know, coaching searches and whatnot, but also to like, you know, the technology Dave's talking about, like, we've, we've had whole podcasts lost. I mean, y'all don't know how much stress <laughs> a podcast getting lost is. And it's happened more than once, but now it's like, um, You know, we did that Chris Long interview. It's funny how, like, the thing doesn't change because immediately after we we stopped, I went to make sure that the file worked just because I didn't want to lose it. It was that good.
2: I was just thinking this. So, like, maybe it would have made sense then. But, like, okay, for episode one of this podcast, if I had told you that for episode 400 you were going to interview Chris Long about his podcast... That would, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. That As would, long that's, wasn't even a player. Then. Yeah.
1: Imagine. Yeah. No, no, Matt, I mean, yeah. He was, I mean, he was already graduated, but he yeah, wasn't he even was a star. Yeah. He wasn't but a, he was
2: playing He was playing for the St. Louis Rams. Yeah. He was doing which the isn't Rams. a thing anymore. Yeah. But I mean, like, yeah. Like, imagine being like, yeah, we're going to talk to him about his podcast. It's like <laughs>
1: on a podcast. It's just very yeah, that, weird to think. The, about. The, the length has been going on. I think it's accentuated about two facts for me. Like, you know, we've said it many times in the past, but. You know, Mo Senior, Mo Kennedy Senior was with us at this oh, yeah, on the first one. Right. And, you know, now his son is what, four or five years in the league. Yeah, and, that's um, right. Obviously, he yeah. set out last year, but yeah, with the Cowboys now and in the league. And then, if you think back to like the tailgates when we started hanging out as the podcast started, like we had Kai and Malachi hanging out with us who were in fourth and fifth grade. And Malachi is signed with Virginia now.
0: Like, yes. Okay, that's a really good point. So, y'all, yeah. the podcast is so old that it, that kids who used to come hang out at the I think tailgate, he was
1: fifth grade. Yeah.
0: Have now have now signed on to play at UVA. That is wild. <laughs> that is wild. My gosh. I had not thought about that. All right. Um it's funny how like I don't remember like every show. And if I were to pull up like a podcast app and like scroll to one, I'm sure I would remember some vaguely, you know, what was happening. What's funny is that like all the big ones We were talking earlier like Because we we figured with the Chris Long interview Like this one was going to be super long Um, No pun intended And um, Dave was like oh You know our longest one had to have been you know after the. But it's funny how like our preseason prediction podcast Is the longest one we've done And it's like you know up until now Um, But it's like the ones that stand out Are not just the ones You know like Ferber said before Like you would kind of get on And start talking And next thing you know You're like Oh man that was really good Even if you didn't have Anything to talk about Like it makes sense If like in season It's really easy Because you, you've got a game To talk about That you just saw You've got a matchup That's coming up That you can preview There's a whole lot of That's there's that's easy It's the off season And man When they shut down The ACC tournament last year I mean You know After a while I was like Alright what am I going to Talk about for months And months and months Right Um yeah, how did we do a show like every week? I we did, and it was good. That's the thing. I mean, but like that's the thing is it like the, and I'm not going to like stand up here and say like, "Hey, our show is great" cuz I I don't think that that's anything anybody really wants to hear. But I will say that like we've gotten really good at being able to there's a there's a certain cadence to it, right? To talk about your opinions in a way that folks seem to be able to process and enjoy. Um that's not... Some, I, I Look, what I'm trying to get to here in one, one way is that I, I think it's... 400 is a lot of episodes to do anything, but I mean, I think we've gotten better with time. And then two, I just want to say a shout-out to you guys for all you do. Um, I don't think I get through that pandemic from a content standpoint, from like a sanity standpoint, if we're not having this show every week. This thing helped me in ways you dudes will never understand. Um, it's not I don't think it's you know I don't think it's a rock it's rocket science is like nobody's making a whole bunch of money off this thing you know what I mean and I'm the one who because I'm the you know one runs the site like I'm the one who who gains the most from you guys giving your time like this and I just want to say that I appreciate it more than I than I know how to say um, especially this last year I don't know how I get through it without you just going to throw
1: that out there we appreciate it, man. Like, you know, it's been a long year for everyone. Um I mean there were parts in April and May where like the only hour I wasn't drinking was the hours I was doing the podcast. Um uh, so yeah, it was a, it was a long year. Um yeah, the normalcy is, is definitely was definitely something we leaned on. Um it, it's the podcast is way easier during the season, but in some ways it's more fun outside the season cuz we can just kind of you yeah, know, you don't have to spend time analyzing or predicting. It's just Scatter shooting on, on what's going on, right? Like it's, uh, I've always enjoyed it. Like the off season at times, it can be a little monotonous, especially when your off season is extended by multiple weeks because of COVID. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly was something to do, and hopefully, people enjoyed it during that time. But, um, yeah, I, I'd like to think it's something we're going to keep doing for a while. I mean, nine years, I don't see a point in stopping it yet. Um, it is definitely easier when Virginia has got good programs and we've been pretty blessed to have that the last few years, but, um, I mean, it's probably juicier when they don't, but I don't really want to get back to that point.
0: Seriously.
2: Um, stay tuned to episode 500 where we have on
1: (laughs) someone who we don't even know yet. Oh (laughs) man,
2: Brad,
0: you're going to have to, you're going to have to drop that name. Oh yeah. Um, wow man that would uh i'm 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 currently sitting here somewhat in, in in shock trying to think like who who do i go to in 100 episodes to try to one-up chris long um that is not an invitation to email me people <laughs> no don't do that um we'll, we'll have plenty of time put the pressure
1: here. on you but there's one dude <laughs> um, he's um, busy this weekend
0: yeah he's a little yeah he's got some stuff um, well, well I, I mean, that's the I, thing
2: is, we that was okay, so not to go behind the no, curtain, yeah, go ahead. Tell that him. was go, that was gonna yeah, be that the person the for yeah. 300, but during the season, he doesn't do that kind of stuff, yeah. He so. doesn't
0: do local stuff, one on ones, and and then or like, like a podcast, yeah, yeah. He's not gonna do something like that with local folks, he'll do it with national. Um, but and then shout it was out funny because,
2: like, two weeks later, he was on some like faith-based podcast, and we were like, "What the hell?" <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, That's what we did just, to a faith-based podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess that was wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, but it probably I will say it this, was though. probably
2: after the season, and I'm just remembering. Yeah,
0: it, it, it was. Um, but I will say this: like when I when I originally reached out, I was like, "Hey, this is a you know 300 episode. You know, we'd love to have Tony come on for a little while." And I was only thinking like a 10 minute, you know, whatever, right. I don't think it's a It's not a shock to him But Tony's not a big fan Of the, the media part of it Like he's very good at it But he doesn't really Seem to enjoy it And that's fine You know that's cool He's um, very like He doesn't like to talk About himself Yeah he's not Yeah exactly He He's much more focused On like a whole bunch Of other stuff And that's totally fine Like I'm I You know I actually Kind of appreciate it um, But he does what he he What he does He does what he needs To do with us In terms of his availability And he's And, he, and he's very genuine When he talks to us um, Even if even if um, somebody's, like, asked him a question that he's, you know, kind of thinks is, um, you know, not exactly something he wants to talk about. But I will say it like this. UVA did a did me a real solid and said, listen, Tony's he doesn't do these, you know, during the season or whatever, but what about a player? You know, like, they made it work. And so, like, even if uh, we didn't get Tony, we, we could get Ty. And, like, heck, Ty is a heck of a get, um, and especially at that time, for, for the amount of time he gave us and the stories he told and everything. I mean, then to have Chris, I mean, you know Yeah, based on that Chris Long interview, we need to get out grow. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but no, seriously though, I, I, I also want to thank everybody out there. I say it every week for for continuing to listen to the show. I am still astonished that the numbers keep going up. <laughs> like that we continue to find more people um, you know, out there who who want to listen to us talk about UVA sports. Um You know, if you're still listening at this point, you're probably related to me, but um, I appreciate it uh, nonetheless. Like, um, you know, the amount of folks who, who either say, you know, who say stuff like on Twitter, who will like, you know, bring up like bits from the podcast, you know, things we've talked about, or you know, little uh, bits we've we've joked about over the years or whatever. Um, You know, I was at a game one time and somebody heard my voice and was like, "Are you Brad?" And I'm like, "Oh, God." Like, what's the, you know, what's the appropriate answer to that? That's a dangerous game you're playing. Right. Uh, but, you know, it was, you know, he was like, no, I, I recognize your voice from the podcast. Like that kind of stuff. I mean, there's just, you know, that's pretty cool. So I, everybody out there who has listened to the show is listening to the show. Thank you very much for supporting us for all of these years. Wherever it was that you found us, um, we're glad to, um, you know, whether it's your run, you're, you know, maybe you're maybe you're going back to the office now. Um, maybe, maybe us talking about UVA sports got you through, um, gave you some sense of normalcy. Um, I'm not even sure what some of those shows were about. I just know that every week we did it and it felt good. Um, and like I said before, I don't, I don't know how I make it through without these dudes, but I'm looking at the clock and I'm realizing that all the numbers are, are adding up. So that's, we probably should wrap this up. Um, I just want to give it uh, the floor open to you guys if there's anything else you want to add ferber anything else for you?
2: nope see you at five hundred.
0: <laughs> Dave, anything else for you?
1: no, not really like um you know just thanks for listening and you know refer us to some friends so we can <laughs> keep chugging along and <laughs> we're gonna have to dump some episodes so five hundred can be outside the basketball season buy ad space <laughs> buy ad space. <laughs> look for our look for our uh, future uh, patreon. Podcast, but anyway, yeah, yeah. the Patreon
0: After Dark, whatever, we,
2: whatever yeah, we joked yeah.
1: about that
0: time, the podcast After Dark. Um, if you are somebody who found the Show through the website, um, thank you very much for for trying us out. Um, if you don't mind, you can look us up on all the different podcast apps. We should be there, um, and if you are so inclined, subscribe. Uh, there's a whole thing in there in the podcast community. Subscribe does not actually mean subscribe, but if you would like to subscribe to something, you can subscribe to Um, Let's see, right now, I mean, good lord. I've got some recruiting football, football recruiting stuff up there. I wrote that column about you know that the chances um, worth kind of keeping in perspective. Ferber will have his breakdown of Ohio coming for you as you listen to this tomorrow. Notes from Tony Bennett's press conference this week. Um, There's just a lot of stuff. Uh, Damon's been killing on the baseball front, even though the baseball team hasn't necessarily been killing it on uh, on the diamond. But um, lots of lots to look forward to uh, as we round the corner. From episode 400, which I, I, I it's funny. I, I did a thing for a while where I would say the number of episodes each week because I would like look down and see my notes and I'm like, oh man, like that's a lot of episodes. 400 feels like a lot. So, again, um, thank you very much for making it happen. And thank you to David Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. very much appreciate, as I said, all that they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of Cascorn.com, Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.